Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, have a good look at it because I'm going to preach from it next week because I haven't got time now. Because <laughs> we, we, we said we'd get you out of here on time. Next week, I want to do a couple of weeks looking at the parable of the talents, Matthew chapter 25. Well, it's, it's an amazing story. There's a lot of fantastic stuff in that. And taken within the context of what Jesus was talking about, there are some extremely valid things for us today. As a matter of fact, if, we, if you, you read... Uh, uh, Matthew chapter 24 all the way through and 25 all the way through. Both chapters are in answer to a question that Jesus had been asked. And the question has to do with uh, how should we be living our lives as believers on earth in the present moment? What, how should we live our lives between the first time that Jesus came to earth and was crucified as we saw and the second time? when Jesus comes back in a different context and in a different way. And if we live with that knowledge and that understanding, I'm sure we would all agree that it should flavor the way we live our life. Amen? It should flavor the way we live our life. So there's a little bit of a teaser for you for next week. So you're going to have to come back next week if you want to hear where we're going with that because I had something else I wanted to do this morning uh, that I think is important. And so we'll, we'll roll with that. If you've got a Bible there, which you probably do because you just turned to Matthew, flick back about a hundred and something pages. Uh, If you want to turn in your Bible to page 232, (laughs) if you've got this one, if you don't have this one, go with me to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. I want to go into a couple of verses here and I just want to show us something and then I've got something I want us to do. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, Finally the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. Saul was made king. I have received him as a king of Israel. Now fill your horn with olive oil. Go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my new king. So Saul is king of Israel. Saul messes up. In a fairly major way, God says you're no longer able to be the king. The requirements, what I'm looking for in a king, you don't fulfill them anymore. And so he takes the kingship away from him and and says to Samuel, go find this other guy in Bethlehem. His his name is going to be David, and he's the son of a dude called Jesse. There's no indication there that Samuel knew any of these people or whatever. And so Samuel, under the obedience of God, goes looking, goes to Bethlehem and goes looking for this man called Jesse, knowing that God had said one of his kids, one of his sons is going to be the king. And we all know the story that Samuel goes to Jesse and says, bring all your children here and parade them past me. And there's a few of them. And the very first one stands up and Samuel looks at him and Samuel goes, surely this one here is the Lord's anointed. Surely this man right here, he's the one that you must choose God. I mean, you're looking for a king. This guy is buff, he's solid, he's got abs. He's not got flabs like me, he's got abs. Down here, I've got flabs, I call mine now. They progressed on. Surely this guy must be the Lord's anointed. And God says this thing to Samuel, he says, you're wrong. He says, because I don't look at the external appearance like man does. He says, God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. How many of you know that God sees things about people that you don't see? God sees things about you that you don't yet see. 
But God also sees things about other people that you don't yet see. You're unaware of it. We look with one type of vision. I can only see you based on what you allow me to see. That being, number one, your physical appearance, and number two, the attributes, the personality, the the giftings, the things that you let me see. In other words, I make my judgments based completely on what I see. Whereas God makes his judgments based on different criteria. And so what's happening here is before God even comes to Samuel and says to Samuel, I've got a new king, here he is, go find Before he even came there, God knew who was going to be the next king. God didn't say to Samuel, I want you to go and I want you to find a new king. He said to Samuel, I want you to go and recognize the king that I have already found. Go and find the king that I've already appointed. Well, before I came and spoke to you, I've already gone out there and I've found this guy and I've got a call upon his life and he's the one that I now want to be the king of Israel. Samuel, I'm coming to you just to say to you, I just want you to go and anoint him. I want you to just go and recognize that call upon his life. That's all you ought to do, Samuel. Go and do that. If we go over now to Luke chapter 6, Jump over to Luke chapter 6 for me real quick. In Luke chapter 6, we've got the story of Jesus appointing the 12 disciples. In Luke chapter 6, and verse 12 and 13, it says this, it says, One day, soon afterward, Jesus went to a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. How many of you struggle to give God 15-minute prayer time in a How many of us find it hard to just put 15 minutes aside in our world, you know? I think sometimes we look at these biblical characters and we think, oh, but they had all the time in the world. Yeah, but you know what? When you go and get a carton of milk, it takes you three minutes in your car. They had to walk. They had to walk. Have you ever got home from going to the supermarket and you walk in the door and your wife says, did you get the the bread? Hang on, honey, I'll be back in a sec. And out you go thinking you're so hard done by because I've got to give another 10 minutes in. It's so much time. Can you imagine being somebody in in, in these days that rocks up? You know? Did you get the milk, honey? See you in a week. (laughs) Jesus went up on a mountain, the Bible says, and he prayed all night. He literally prayed all night. It wasn't because he was bored. It wasn't because he had nothing to do. But he had that really strong relationship and that, that affection with the Father. You know, Jesus himself said, I don't do anything unless I see the Father doing. I don't say things unless I hear the Father saying. He had this really strong bond with his heavenly Father. And he wanted to hear from him so that he knew what he was saying was right. He wanted to see what he was doing so that he could be doing that. You know, I think sometimes we think we have this mentality that I'll just... Come up with an idea. This is what I'm going to do and then I'll just go and pray and I'll tell God what I'm doing and ask God to support me. God, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, 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 uh, you know, go to this place. I'm going to start this business. I'm going to marry this person. I'm going to sell everything I own and go to the mission field. And God, here's my prayer to you. This is what I'm going to do and I'm asking you to support me in that. Come on, let's go, Jesus. And we wonder why we fall on our face. And we wonder why things don't always pan out the way that they should. You know, Jesus' approach to ministry was this. Father, show me what you're already doing. 
and then I'm going to go and do that. Because if I can see what you're already doing, then I'm very confident you'll be with me as I step in. It's not so much God with me, it's me with God. And that's what Jesus was saying, I do what I see the Father do. So if he's over here doing this, I don't, I'm not going to say to him, stop what you're doing, God. Stop. Hey, stop. I need you over here. Come on, come over here and let's do this. And so Jesus said, if I know what he's doing, then I'll go and do what he's doing. So Jesus goes up and he prays all night. And watch what's the first thing he does when he comes down. It says in verse 13, at daybreak, he called together all of his disciples. So at this stage, he's got lots of people following him. There's lots of people following this guy. He says, at daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be his apostles. Then it goes on and lists them. So here's Jesus with all these followers. All these followers, but he knows I've got to get a small band of people together. I've got to have a smaller group because I've got to get a bit more intimate with these people, be a bit more in touch with them and them in touch with me. I've got to share a bit more of myself with them, not just the teachings that the crowds get to hear, but I want to be able to share a bit more. Some of the deepest stuff, some of the, 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 the values and the principles and the stuff of the kingdom of God. I want to be able to share that with these, this smaller group of people. But rather than just get them all together and go, right here, here's what we're going to do. Um, anyone whose last name ends with a K, stand up. Okay, there's 600 of you, right here. Anyone whose uh, last name starts with K-I, stay standing, rest of you sit down. Well, there's 69, right here, it's still too many. I've got to... He didn't work out or devise a way to whittle the numbers down. He didn't say, I'm going to give you all a ticket and draw it out of a hat. And the first 12 numbers, guess what? You get to be my disciples. And you get a set of steak knives and a frozen chicken. He didn't do that. The Bible says that he went up onto a mountain and he prayed all night. And when he came down, everyone came together and he went, you, you, uh, you, you, you. See, I believe when he was up there praying, he was saying to the Father, I only do what I see you doing. So who are the guys that you're upon right now for this particular role of being an apostle? Who are the people that you're already on to do this job? And I'm going to go down that mountain, call them together, and I'm going to recognise them and call them out and go, these are the ones. You see, Jesus got his instruction from the Father. Samuel didn't go and choose a king. He recognised the king that God had chosen. Jesus didn't go and choose 12 apostles. He recognised the 12 that the Father had chosen. And he says this later on. If you go into John 17, when he's praying, he says, Father, all that you've given to me. I haven't lost any of them, bar the one. He acknowledges that. Father, you, these were your choice, not my choice. Go over again. One last verse, Acts. Go over to Acts chapter 1. <laughs> the birthing of the, what we call the early church. Ever wonder where the line in the sand was? When did the early church finish in the, in the later church? <laughs> At what point did we stop being... It's like we're early church today. Guys, don't get used to that though because tomorrow when the clock ticks over, we become the, the middle church or the on-time church. You know? And now we're the late church. Or How does that all work? But anyway, for sake of referencing, we refer to it as the early church. The truth is it's just the church in continuum. Okay? These are our brothers and sisters that we're reading about here, operating under the same uh, authority, the same anointing, operating alongside of the same God that we operate alongside. Cultural context may be different, but God is the same. He never changes. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 24. Glad you did that because my eyes were struggling. 
Verse 24. Then they all prayed, O Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen. So Judas has gone the way of Judas and done what he's done. And we talked about Judas a couple of weeks ago and he didn't deal with the regret. And he took his own life. He ended his life. And then the disciples get together and they go, look, let's look back at prophecy. It says this. It says that one of us, but it also says another one's going to take his place. And so this is before the Holy Spirit has fallen. So they're still in the habit of casting lots and doing things the way they used to determine the movement of the Holy Spirit. There were certain things they would do. And they trusted and believed that the Holy Spirit guided the lots as they were drawn. And so this is before the Spirit of God gets on the inside and and the New Testament church is birthed. Okay? This is before that. Now the Bible says that those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. We're not led by lots. We don't cast... We're led by the Spirit now. We listen to God on the inside of us, confirming and leading and guiding and so on. We listen to the wisdom of God through other people around us and we get confirmation of that and so on. So we're led by God. But they're casting lots here. And it says, Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men who? Who was chosen? Who chosen? Did the apostles choose the man? Who chosen? God. God. And you can go through the Bible... And you can look at all the major uh, times when people are appointed for major moves of God or God's involved in things. You'll see when man is appointed by man and you'll see incredible failure. You'll see incredible failure. When God appoints people, when God puts something on a person's life and God recognises that, then that's the best chance of success. It doesn't guarantee it. People are still human. We can still choose to do the wrong thing. We can still choose to go different ways. Okay? We're not just saved to go to heaven. We're saved for a purpose. Salvation is not fire insurance. Now that I'm saved and I'm not going to hell, woo, I can live my own life and do whatever I want. It doesn't work like that. God still has a, a call upon us. There's still a kingdom to build. There's still things to do. And so we see with each of these situations, Samuel goes, he doesn't find the king. He, he recognises the king that God has chosen. The disciples... Jesus didn't choose the disciples. He recognised the ones the Father had chosen. In the book of Acts, the apostles, they didn't choose another apostle. They recognised the one that the Father had chosen. <laughs> so we're at a stage now as a, at a, as a church where we're uh, beginning to uh, look at what we're doing and we're building and we're, we're beginning to move a bit more forward. Those of you that are unaware of the journey, me and my wife have been here uh, for about 12 months now, I think running the church here, roughly that. Uh, it's probably only been about the last six weeks, roughly, around that time frame, where I quit my, my, my other full-time job dealing with another spirit and um, stepped over here now to deal with this spirit. I used to be a manager of a bottle shop, now I'm you know, full-time here. So for that little spirit joke there, for those of you that didn't get it. Um, so we're here now. So for the last six weeks, we've, we've had a chance to, to look at what we're doing. And primarily before that, I guess we were running the church from a maintenance mentality. We just were making sure that it was maintained, that we had, 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 a, had a service here, that we had the basics and so on. And in that time since now, we've got a few structures in place. We've got some connect groups that are running. Uh, Pat and Deborah have got a connect group running up here in Lismore. We've got Pete and Cheryl got one uh, running uh, down closer to Balna. We've got one ourselves that we're running. Uh, we've got another ones that are looking at starting up here soon when circumstances allow and so on. So we've got a bit of structure taking place in terms of pastoral care. Um, the next thing that's been on our heart to do is we feel like God has been speaking to us about we need a leadership team. We need some people that will help take us 
from where we are now as a community and we can hear from God and we can seek God and we can be aware of what's going on and how can we, how can we go to that next place that God wants us to go to? Uh, we have always been believers in plural leadership. It's not it's our vision and our heart and this is what has to happen and, and it's our way or the highway and you all go. We've always worked in team and it's been on our heart for a while now that God's been saying to us you need to, to, to appoint a leadership team to which our response has been to go back to God and go, well, God, who are the people that you have chosen? We don't want to look in the natural. Let me tell you something. As I get around and meet different people in the church here, you're amazing people. There are some people with amazing gifts, talents and abilities. And, that's, and Daniel's shaking his head. They're going, yeah, bring it on, brother. But, um, but there really is. There really is. I mean, we've got people in this church that have had lots of experience in, in the context of Christian community. You've, you've been involved in church for a while. You've been involved in church leadership in different capacities. You've seen things that have worked. You've seen uh, ways where, where people have been burnt and hurt by church. There's so much experience. And then, of course, there's just natural talents and abilities. And there are people with pastoral hearts here. And there are people that are more evangelistic. And there are, there are people that love to serve. I mean, Luke, the guy does my head in. He serves and serves and serves. I've never heard Luke ever whinge, complain. Yeah, that's even him. I've never, ever heard him whinge, complain about nothing. You know, even mornings when you've been on the roster, someone's on the roster and you haven't turned up for setup. I come in here and by the time we get here, Luke's got the chairs and, the, and he does all this stuff. He doesn't whinge. And there are people here with great service gifts. Then I look at the morning teas some morning, and some mornings I'm up here and I open my Bible and I just want to close it and go straight up the back for the chocolate cakes because I know they're so good by the time I get up there, you'll have eaten them all. And I'll go home with no more, no afternoon tea, no lunch, no nothing. It happens. It's like, I don't, I'm not mad at you for it. Maybe a little bit, but, I'm, you know, I'll get over it. You're saving my flabs. Thank you. <laughs> Coffee, the conversations. We're, we're, we've got a lot of great gifts and talents here as a church. And I believe that God's brought us all together for a reason. We'll continue to bring people together. And there's a place where we're within the kingdom of God for the benefit of the kingdom, for growing the kingdom of God, that we'll all be called upon to step out and to use those talents, abilities, the, the, person, the different things that we have to try to reach our community for the, for, the, for the kingdom of God, to show them that what that man went through in that visual, that's for all of us. It's not for a select few. It's for the guy down there getting hammered at the pub right now as much as it is for me standing up here. There's no differentiation in the eye of God. But at this stage, we, we need a, a, a leadership team. So we've been praying, God, who are the people here that you have your hand upon? And so there's a couple of, of couples here that we've, we approached some time back, about probably a month back, sat down, shared with them, this is what we're thinking. Uh, we gave them a time frame. It's going to be for the next 12-month period. Uh, we'll get together. We will pray. We'll seek God. We'll look at at where the church is at. We'll look at how can we do things better, what, what changes can we make, uh, and, and ultimately how can, we, how can we help us or facilitate us to become the community of God that he wants us to be. How can we do that? And so we, uh, we approached um, uh, Daniel and Ruth here. Uh, we approached uh, Peter and Cheryl up the back as well, and we asked them to pray, and they, they back and forth with a few questions and so on and prayed, and they uh, have come back to us and feel that it's right. And so what we want to do this morning before we finish up, I, I just want these guys to, to stand up and come up the front, if you wouldn't mind. I, I know you may be embarrassed, but uh, get used to it. It's going to happen a lot more. <laughs> I'm going to get Jackie to come up in a second, and Jackie's going to pray, pray for these guys. Um, now, what I want us to, to understand is, first of, all, first of all, we're not saying that anybody is better than anybody else. What we're doing is recognising what we are seeing the Father do. 
We're recognising something on these, on these guys' lives for leadership in this particular community. We haven't chosen them, we haven't appointed them. Uh, sorry, we haven't chosen them, we haven't gone and looked out and gone, oh, look, surely that must be the Lord's anointed. We've, we've tried our best to sit back and to pray and to wait on God for a period, then to approach them and see if they feel that confirms anything within them, and it does. Um, so we want to recommend these guys uh, to everybody in the church. Uh, we're going to be utilising their talents and abilities a bit more. You're going to see a bit more of them uh, up the front at church as well. Uh, we, we want to recommend them to you for prayer, if you have prayer needs and things like that. Uh, we want to recommend these guys to you. Uh, I haven't got time this morning to go through it, but there is a biblical criteria for leadership and, and, and ministry. And uh, it's, not about, uh, it's not about running, you know, trying to, to, to say this person is better, that person is not. It's about a biblical criteria. And when people meet that biblical criteria and God's spirit comes upon them, they need to be recognised and acknowledged. So we want to recognise these guys before the church this morning. What I'd love you all to do is I'd love you all just to extend your hands uh, towards them. We're going to get Jackie to pray for these guys. Um, there's something very significant about appointment. There's something very significant about anointing, something very significant about recognition. Um, so we want to, uh, what we're about to do now, I believe, is a God moment, uh, as, as, as all moments are, but I really believe it's significant. And it's an important part of the next phase of us as a church, growing and going to where we want to be as we try to establish a Christian community here. Not just a Christian community, but what is the community, God, that you have us? When you brought us together, when you pointed rise, God, why? What's the picture you had? And, and I believe that these guys, and let's pray for them, and I uh, believe that, that these guys are going to help us see that picture and go forward with that. So, so Jackie, do you want to pray? Father, we want to just thank you for your faithfulness, God. Father, we thank you, Lord, that on the journey, Lord, we don't do this stuff on our own. But, Father, you call us to be together, God. You call us Mm. to be community. Father, uh, the family, God, is your idea. And Mm. so, Lord, we just want to recognize that this morning. And, Lord, we thank you that for every single person that sits here this morning, there are gifts and talents. There's a call of God. There's destiny and there's purpose. And, Father, for these four this morning, God, we want to recognize that part of their purpose, part of their destiny for this season in time, Lord, is to um, help us and work with us and walk with us and and bring to the table, Father, the gifts and talents of leadership that you have deposited within them in various different ways. Father, we pray just this morning, God, that you would seal this upon Daniel and Ruth, upon Cheryl and Pete, Lord. Father, even for these individuals, God, that you would give them a real sense of faith that the Father is calling them, the Father is anointing them, the Father has gifted them already, and that there be no need to strive to um, be insecure, Father, to be inferior, but, Father, to step in and to lean in to all that you've called each of these individuals and these couples to do. And so, Father, we pray this morning. God, we just simply say that we recognise the hand of God upon them. Father, we thank you for them individually. We thank you for them corporately. Father, we thank you for all that they bring to the table. And we pray this morning to father just that your anointing would be released upon them in jesus name and father we do pray for their families father we ask for those that don't yet know you god that you would indeed um, reveal yourself father reveal yourself to their family members and father for those with children grandchildren parents sisters brothers father we just ask that you would keep them under your refuge that you would keep them um father hidden and sheltered and lord that not only these two couples but father their families also would walk and experience the blessing of god in jesus name amen amen thank you god amen thank you excellent
Excellent. Well, I'm, I'm excited. I feel like where we are as a, as a community, that, that uh, God wants us to see some things that uh, maybe me and Jackie by ourselves haven't been able to see yet. But now we've got uh, two, four, six, eight more eyes. And if you, you and me put our glasses on, that multiplies to 14 sets of eyes. Uh, without them, it's only another eight. But uh, I look forward to what God has for us down the track. And um, so again, let me just say we, we, we're, we're excited about the next season. We're excited uh, uh, that you feel called to be a part of this church. Uh, everybody has something that they bring to the table. Next week, I want to uh, get into Matthew 25, um, and, and that will help explain a little bit more about what we're talking about as well. There's some amazing things in there about how we should be living our life between the crucifixion of Jesus and the next coming. There's some great stuff in there. So it's a bit of a prep maybe during the week. Why don't you peruse Matthew 24, Matthew 25, and then you can turn up, and when I say something next Sunday, you can go, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I've already know that. I've already know that one. Give me something new, and you can bag on me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning, God. We thank you uh, for your spirit at work in our life, God. Father, we pray for each of us, God, as we go from this place. Keep us safe on the roads. Keep us safe as we travel. God, I pray for a fantastic week this week. God, bless us. God, as we go into our workplaces, as we go into school, as we go, uh, uh, God, as we travel, whatever it is that we're doing, as we have our holidays, Father. Lord, let this week be an incredibly fruitful week in terms of our personal relationship with you. Speak to us, God. Let us hear your voice. Let us feel your presence. And God, let us, let us grow, uh, draw nearer and grow closer to the heart of our Father as we go through life. God, give us opportunity this week to touch people that don't yet know you with the love and the grace, the compassion of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless. Have a good week. For all of our family members, I forgot to mention the letterbox is up there in the corner. You know what it's for.